Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. June is here, and that means pre-draft workouts are starting to pick up. I felt good how how hard I was playing defense, how how hard I was competing, and even making shots too. We're going to hear from Lou Dort, a projected first-round pick out of Arizona State who is in town for a workout, and ESPN College basketball analyst Dalen Cuff, who weighs in with his draft thoughts on the 76ers. There's a number of upperclassmen that really understand how to play the game where I think they can help teams like Philadelphia. They can help playoff contending teams. It is another draft season edition of the broadcast. Coming up. As they say, better weather begets better draft talk. No, no one says that. I have, for the record, never heard anyone make that connection whatsoever. But I will tell you this, a truism, that on Monday, June 3rd, when the 76ers brought in their latest group of prospects for a pre-draft workout, the weather was excellent. We had a great weekend here in the Delaware Valley, 70 degrees on Monday, just a very nice non-humid time of the year. Also a great time of the year to dive into the draft. We're going to hear from Lou Dort out of Arizona State and Dalen Cuff from ESPN. All that is coming up. But first, a reminder, as we normally offer you at the beginning of every episode of the podcast, in case you are a first-time listener or you have yet to act upon subscribing, please do subscribe right away, right now, fresh Audio content delivered to your podcast app, whatever it may be, on a regular basis. We encourage you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, SoundCloud, whatever it might be. Just type in Sixers Podcast Network, and that will take you to our feed. ESPN College Basketball Analyst, dare I say expert, Dalen Cuff, with some thoughts and knowledge in a minute or two. But first, let us hear from... Lou Dort, he was one of six prospects the 76ers had in for a workout on Monday, June 3rd. Also included in that group, Nas Reed out of LSU, Terrence Davis from Mississippi, and of course, Terry Harris 
Younger brother of Tobias Harris wrapped up his career at North Carolina A&T. So very spirited session inside the 76ers practice facility on Monday. And here's what Lou Dort had to say afterwards when we caught up with him courtside. All right, so here we are. Catch me up to speed with what you've been doing so far, your pre-draft process. Oh, I've been working a lot on my shot, um, conditioning. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of workouts coming up for me, so I really work on my, on my, on my body and then stay in shape and then get to get a lot of slip and to take care of my body. So it's been pretty good, yeah. Specific to this workout with the Sixers, what did you feel good about? I felt good how, how hard I was playing defense, how, how hard I was competing, and even making shots too, yeah. Where do you feel like your game, your body, your whole package you're offering is most NBA ready? Um, I feel just the way that I compete in my body. I'm, I'm a pretty strong, strong guard, so like, I feel like I can guard pretty well. That's one. There's not a lot of guard that's willing to, to guard, so I'm, I'm, I'm one of them. And then um, I'm just ready to compete and just run the floor, finish some easy basket, and just, just, just play hard. You're obviously someone who was highly recruited coming out of high school, mm-hmm. had a nice pipeline and track record going into college at Arizona State. Still, you went out there, led the team in scoring, decorated season. What do you think allowed you to make an immediate impact last year? It's really coaching staff and my teammates. I felt like that that uh, a lot of trust in me. Even at, at first, I mean, uh, Coach Hurley was the first one to tell me that I had a chance to be a one and done. And then the fact that he prepared me on on, on the floor and even off the floor. I mean, we got, I just feel like we we worked a lot this year, and I feel like. I had a pretty good season. This past year, what do you think it was about your scoring style specifically that was really so effective? Oh, I sure the way that, that, that I drive to the basket, I felt like uh, the fact that I was really big and um, I had advantage uh, on a couple of guards that was guarding me. So the fact that I could drive to the basket and, and make it tough on, on the big to, to, to block my shot or get to the free throw line and, you know, and, and knocking down some open shots too. Have you always been a strong, powerful guy? Have you put in a lot of work on your body over yeah, the years? Yeah, it started like this. I mean, just growing up, I was, I was always big. So it started like this, and then I had more skills to my, to my game, be able to knock down shots and be able to run the point and get my teammates involved, too. The decision to go into the draft, what were some of the things that went through your mind? What was making that decision like? I'm sure it's, it's not an easy thing to Yeah, to. so I mean, I just had to talk to my people and my family, and actually Coach Hurley was actually the first one to call me to his office, and he told me that, I mean, I think you're ready, and then he don't, doesn't think that, that I have to come back. So he actually told me to leave, and then after, when, when, after I heard that from him, I was, it was really easy for me to make my decision. It's crazy how strong of a pipeline Canada has these days mm-hmm. going to the pros. Is there a point of pride for you being from Canada? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, even though that, I'm, and I'm from Montreal too, so the fact that there's not a lot of players from Montreal going out there in the States and now being in this position, I'm just really proud to, to say that even some uh, kids from, from Montreal have a chance. I was going to ask you about that because it's got to be a little bit different yeah. than Toronto where mm-hmm. it seems like that scene's been coming along for mm-hmm. a while, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean we get, we're really getting better. I feel like now, Montreal and Ontario and Toronto is actually ran out of the competition. It's about the same. And I just feel like we keep coming up, and then I feel like there's more uh, kids from Montreal that's, that, that's going to have a chance. It was a really strong season for Lou Dort with the Sun Devils under head coach Bobby Hurley. Led the team in scoring around 16 per game. Also averaged four and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, one and a half steals. He was Pac-12 Rookie of the Year, all Pac-12 overall on the second team, and he received an all-defensive team in the Pac-12 nomination as well. Got to the free throw line a ton. A very strong, sturdy, explosive, and physical player who got to the rim on a regular basis. So uh, Lou Dort, part of the 76ers workout group on Monday, June 3rd. We're going to dial up Dalen Cuff in just a second, but first... If you are like me and you are a parent, you are always looking to 
figure stuff out that your kids can be involved in. Now, I've got uh, 14-and-a-half-month-old twins, so they do not yet qualify for this. However, if you have a kid or multiple children between the ages of 4 and 14, sign them up for the all-new 76ers Kids Club. Presented by Five Below, you receive gear, a welcome kit, birthday card, and a whole lot more. Again, it's for children ages 4 through 14, $35 annual membership fee. You can sign up quick and easy on Sixers.com slash Kids Club. It's the 76ers Kids Club presented by Five Below. Get a $5 Five Below gift card. Kids Club basketball, a membership card and lanyard, a kid and parent t-shirt, 20% off the team store monthly newsletter, a birthday card, and a ticket voucher to a Delaware Bluecoats home game. It's Sixers.com slash Kids Club to register right now. 76ers full-on into draft season. A lot of workouts at the training complex this week, so it is time on the podcast for us to further dive into our draft prep. And for that, i got to bring in a guy who... Scarily at this stage in our lives, we can, we can actually say we go back a ways, like probably a decade <laughs> worth of time. You see him on yep. ESPN all over their college hoops coverage. His name is Dallin Cuff. He played at Columbia University. I did games for Penn. Dallin, what's up, man? Not much, Brian. Good to be on with you, man. Yeah, I think it might be more than a decade, but that, that is quite a ways back. It's terrifying when you really look at the timeline. <laughs> it's like, I, I actually I feel like maybe towards like my late twenties, early thirties, I could like joke with people and say, "Oh, you know, like I'm aging, I'm getting old." But now I actually feel when I say like, you know, we, we've had some sort of connection for about almost a decade and a half, I can be like, "I do seriously feel old." Yep, unfortunately, that's just how it goes. Everybody, <laughs> you, the people told us that too. Everybody tells you when you're in college, like enjoy those years; they go by so quick. Then you're in your mid twenties. Oh, live it up! You don't have kids. Then you start having kids. I start running people that are grandparents. Enjoy <laughs> it now. Everybody keeps telling you that every step of the way, and they just keep buzzing by every every landmark. So here we are. You cannot outrun the clock. Um, nope. You know, most times I feel somewhat intimidated when I have conversations with college basketball experts and draft experts because, in full disclosure, when the NBA season is going on, I feel like there's only so much bandwidth I've got in my brain. That's a flaw, I admit, but it's also the truth. One of the things I like about this is, A, you are a very knowledgeable, on-top-of-it dude, but, B, I feel like there's this context where I can simply say to you, Dallin, start me off the – 76ers playoff run ended about two weeks ago. I I need a draft primer. I feel like I can be very comfortable asking you very basic run-of-the-mill questions before going into the granular. So why don't we begin there? Just give me your overall impressions, thoughts, um, as we zoom out to maybe 30,000 feet on what the 2019 draft pool and draft class could be looking like. Uh, Just in general, it's not a great draft. Uh, let's just say that outside of really the top three picks, and you could even argue a little bit of the top two, which in my mind are going to be Zion Williamson and John Morant. And I don't think I have to explain any more about who those guys are. Um, and maybe you throw an RJ Barrett in the mix. It's a bit of a crapshoot after that. It's not, it's not what we've seen a couple in recent years. There've been some better drafts. You've had some guys you could see six, seven, eight, nine, ten that could, uh, that could be players that are go-to guys. Would be a guy like Jamal Murray from a few years back that I know I was really big on him. He's, he, he's, he's shown now at the, at the playoff level that he could, kind of deliver at different times. So guys like that, I'm not sure exist in this draft. Um, so I really think it's, it's a little bit weaker. That said, I do think there's guys you can find 
Um, there's a number of upperclassmen that really understand how to play the game, and I think we'll probably come around that later when we're talking about Philadelphia, where I think they could they could help teams like Philadelphia. They can help playoff contending teams because they can give you something because they're guys that can play maybe off the ball, that understand how to play, that can give you energy, that can make shots. Uh, and in today's modern NBA, you got to have guys that can make shots. So I think I think you, we might find some more of those in this draft than in recent years. Um, and the last thing I will say is the big wild card to me is uh, Darius Garland, uh, point guard from Vanderbilt towards ACL five or six games into the season. Uh, I had their next game actually against NC state uh, on ESPN right after he got hurt. This was their first full game. He got hurt a minute into the game prior. Uh, I think it was against Savannah state. They went on to win by a lot. Savannah state was just, it was like watching a park game. Um, but then they played NC state and talking to Bryce drew, who no longer is the coach there. And I think this is the reason why you lose a point guard at this level. They built their entire offense around him. Now they had, uh, Simi Shitsu was on the team too, another freshman who was a top 15 freshman. But Garland in college basketball is a guy that dominates the ball, point guard, can make shots, change the direction, change the speed very, very well. Uh, and everything was built around him. And Vanderbilt season just, they completely fell apart after that. Uh, they, they really struggled. I think they, they went winless in the SEC and Bryce Drew is, you know, lost that job. That said, Garland's that kind of player. He's that good. I'm interested to see where he comes back. It was a knee injury that took him out. Um, I, he could be a guy that could be great in the NBA, but I think just the amount of tape and the amount of reps, the amount of experience he has at, at a little bit of at a higher level, obviously coming out of high school, he took a big step up going to an SEC team and didn't get the rigors of the actual SEC season this year, which is really a good league. Um, so Darius Garland is a guy that I think is going to be really interesting to see a where he goes, you know, what teams think of him, what they're willing to what, what they're willing to invest in them with their pick, and then what kind of player he develops into because I thought he could be special. Um, when he we showed up on the scene in college basketball, we didn't get to see it. So we'll we'll see it in the league. It's interesting because you could have a draft, like you said, where let's take 2018. There are a number of prospects that could be immediate impact difference makers for NBA teams. And there is a degree of fun seeing how that all shakes out in the lottery phase and stages of the draft. But then this year, like you said, like it, it almost seems like this is going to put the microscope more on front offices personnel people, scouts, to try and unearth some quality products that they could bring in and find the right fits on their rosters. You hit the right – you hit the exact word I was thinking. It is about fit. It's about knowing what you need, finding a guy that can fit in there and can give you something. You want, you want to use – especially in a lottery pick, I mean, you, you, you want to get guys that can actually impact your first, you know, your, your first lineup, your first seven guys, if you will. Uh, but teams that are in the playoff hunt, you want to get a guy that can – be a player for you that can do something for you that can provide something so it really is about finding the right fit for your organization with that individual and what do you think he's going to give you and that's you just, it's hard it is not easy i mean a lot of these things the nba draft to become almost purely on potential that's why i did point to some of those older guys in the back half of the first round i think you would feel safer going with them they may not give you all-star seasons but they may give you some really good careers and particularly in their first year they might give you something uh to help some of those teams uh in playoff time it's interesting because Elton Brand has said this publicly for the 76ers that given where they're at in terms of the timeline of the franchise, trying to contend for a conference championship, an NBA championship, they're looking more for guys who could come in, be a role player, have a maturity about their games, not necessarily being a four-year player or a three-year player, but just someone who has a mature overall demeanor on the court, that sort of thing. So and I, I don't want to necessarily lead you with this question, but could this be the type of draft that is more suited for the 76ers' needs right now compared to other years? Yeah, I think so. I think you're going to get a number of guys uh, that are going to be 
capable of stepping in. And, and any guy, any guy that comes in the NBA to be a successful player, to be a guy that can come in and, and help a team, you have to have an, at least one elite skill. You have to do one thing at a really high level. Uh, and 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 and, and some, some of those guys that are a little bit older that have a two-point maturity to their game, they've developed that one skill, whether it's some guys like Cam Johnson that can really shoot it or uh, or, or um, Dylan Windler, a guy from Belmont, who I think is going to be a guy that, that's a lefty that's 6'7", he's got good length, really understands how to play the game and can really shoot it. Those type of guys, I think, are going to have be factors uh, in, in the draft in terms of the back end of the first round, the second round, but emerge as guys that can get in the lineup and really help teams um, because as we've already said, the top end talent is not that great. You're not having very many franchise changes in this draft, but you could still get a piece that helps you win games. That's what this is all about. All right, maybe I don't feel totally entirely unprepared because I had Cam Johnson and Windler on my list of people to ask you about. So that's, that's semi encouraging, <laughs> semi encouraging for me. Um, do you think there's also something to it where, hey, let's say you have five picks in the draft, like the 76ers do, number 24, and then four more in the second round. They're tied with Atlanta for the most picks in a draft. When a team has that number, that volume of draft picks, is there also something to be said for the fact of how they might be, in certain spots, be able to influence the way the draft board ultimately shakes out, whether they try to move up, move back, that type of deal? What's tough when you have four of those picks in the second round? So, so you might be able to, to, to affect the draft board as it relates to the second round, maybe, maybe affect the draft board as it relates to 2020 in, a little bit. But I, I think when you have four picks in the second round, you're not able to, to swing as much of the draft as, say, the Celtics did a couple of years ago when they had three, you know, three picks in the top, what was it, 30, 33 or something like that. So that, that, that carries more weight and carries more ability to, to drive the conversation for the draft overall. I think the Sixers can have something to be said about how the, the you know, pretty much from pick – 24 their pick back to the end of the draft shakes out but to really be a player in the front part i don't think they really have a big effect there from what you've been able to observe from looking at the nba game and then comparing that to obviously your in-depth knowledge of college basketball what do you think the sixers needs are in your opinion you 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 mentioned earlier with your limited bandwidth like when i'm in college basketball season it's college hoops you know 24 7 every single day because there's so many teams to focus on which is Nice that our season ends usually the first weekend in April, and then I get to turn my attention to the NBA and become and really just watch it as a fan and as a basketball guy, which is which is great. So obviously I watch their playoff series, and I would say they, they need more shooting. They need guys that can help space the floor. They need guys that can play without the ball. This is a, now this is like I'm going to ask you like a trigonometry question or something. What givens are we operating in? Are we operating in the world that Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, well you know Simmons and Embiid, all four of those guys back on this roster next year? That is the question. You're right, and that's that's part of the really compelling fascinating stories surrounding the 76ers and this draft class there's a certain amount of this that you just won't know or at least have a definitive idea of until june 30th at six o'clock rolls around you know all right so my my given is if those four are staying here's my approach to it is that you need guys that you need guys that can shoot you guys can play off the ball and i mentioned earlier you need guys that know how to play that can play off the ball and still be effective i also think you need some energy guys you need guys that can help manufacture some of their own baskets whether that be hit the offensive boards uh, to, to set set good screens to be able to, to help your offense fun, help the offense function better because I know you you saw it late in games at times with them get very bogged down and become very reliant on Jimmy Butler to go score um, and while at times you need that alpha dog and Butler proved that he could he could do it at, at a very high level um, you still need other guys for the course of all 48 minutes of a game and 82 games of regular season to put yourself in that position so I think. They're going to need guys, shooters, guys who can play off the ball, guys that have high energy, can bring some energy, bring some stuff, some two-way guys too, 
uh, I think what they would be looking for, not ball dominant players um, that need the ball in their hands to score, because I don't think on this team, you're probably not going to have the ball in your hands a lot. Just thinking of some recent mid-20 picks um, that come to mind who have affected playoff series. I mean, even this year, Pascal Siakam, I'm probably going to bring up uh, another name mm-hmm. that's tough for 76ers fans. And a guy who was with the Sixers at the start of the season, Landry Shamit, played well down the stretch of the year for yep. the L.A. Clippers and into the first round of the playoffs. Who are some of the guys that jump out to you? I know you've floated a few names out there already, but if we look at the number 24 pick, if there's a Dallin Cuff best available type big board thing in your mind, who are some guys that uh, jump out to you? I'll give you a couple guys, and these are guys, yes, when I'm, I'm talking best available, where if you're a Sixers fan, you're happy these guys are here. So I, w- I would think these guys might not be on the board, but if they're there, you should be pumped. Uh, Kelvin Johnson from Kentucky is one. He's a guy that he's coming out as a freshman, got good length, good athleticism, can really play well in transition. Um, but if you won, you watch Kentucky a lot this year. He, he, his numbers per 40 minutes were fantastic. Uh, he was very efficient, especially in SEC play. They didn't run stuff for him hardly ever. Like maybe maybe run a pin down or something occasionally. Like he 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 was able to. I said before, and this is going to be the theme with all these guys: play off the ball, manufacture his own offense, get on the offensive glass, get out in transition, create some energy on the defensive end, and his and his shooting got better through the course of the year. So he can knock down a three. I think he needs to knock down a three more consistently at the NBA range. We'll see if he can do that. But he's a, he's a bit of a he's a slasher. He's a guy that understands how to play within the context of other good players around him. So you always will learn at Kentucky how to fit into other great players around you. And I think he would be uh, he'd be great if he's if he's there. These are this. I'm going to give you three if they're there guys first. Can I so jump in Kelvin about Johnson. him real quick? Yeah. So would, so would he fit that description of a guy who he was only a freshman at Kentucky last year who does have that mature vibe about his game? Would you put him in that category? I would. I think he's he's mature beyond his years. I think he really, again, understands how to play the game. And I think he's a competitor. When you watch him, the kid just wanted to win. And I think that was the unique mix of this Kentucky team. It took a while for them to find themselves. But the, the, all those dudes gave them themselves because they wanted to win. And that's hard to do for guys that all come in as five-star guys, all think they're one-and-done dudes. But he competed. He played at a high level. He played with a level of intensity and focus um, that you don't see a lot in, in – um, in freshmen. And I will say, too, when you, this is part of the NBA draft is drafting on potential. So some of these guys, uh, although I think they are a little more mature than they are, they may have only been one year. I was, I'm speaking on both sides of my mouth before. I was saying you want to have guys that are that have been around that are that there are some guys there that have been three, four years in, in college. and You kind of know what you're getting. I think you have a good sense of what Johnson is, but I think his upside is just a little bit more than you're going to get um, than guys like Cam Johnson, which I'm sure I'll bring up again because I like him. But uh, that may be a little more upside because of what Johnson has athletically. He's still young. He's still developing physically. Um, and he has all the intangibles that I think you want in a player. All right, cool. I like it. So uh, some other names. Sorry, I didn't mean to, uh, to throw you off course there. <laughs> no, fire. Uh, the other guy with Nikhil Alexander-Walker um, from uh, Virginia Tech. He's a sophomore. His game really develops. He can play off the ball, on the ball. Um, he's better off the ball, to be honest. When Justin Robinson, the point guard, got hurt this year, he had to play more on the ball on it. I think that'll benefit him in the long run, just being more comfortable trying to lead a team and run an offense. But I don't think you, you don't want to ask him to do that. He's a guy that can he's a knockdown shooter from the NBA range. Uh, he's, he's really wiry. He's gotten stronger in his sophomore year, able to go through some contact at the rim. Uh, he's got a good pull-up game. His offensive game is really good. I think defensively he brings something too, but he's got, when you play at the NBA level, physically we'll see if he's able to, to battle with some of those guards. You're going to see night in and night out. Um, and that'll be interesting. But I think he's a guy that if he's available – because, again, I think, as I said before, they need some shooting. And the 76ers could use guys that could space the floor and knock down shots. He could absolutely do that. Um, and I'll give you a third name in that 24 slot is Tyler Hero, uh, another freshman that would be coming out of Kentucky. 
same thing in terms of very much mature, better defender than people give him credit for. Absolutely outstanding shooter. He can really stretch the floor to the NBA level. And again, you don't need to run much for him. He's able to create offense by playing the right way, understanding angles. They ran a lot of, they'd run a lot of baseline screens for him. And you could tell me he really understood how to, how to come off screen still, which is an, you know, an art that most players don't even know anymore. It's about coming into college, but he was able to come off a lot of screens, create offense for himself or create closeout situations. And in those get into the lane, finish for himself, or more importantly, facilitate for his teammates uh, on this team and the next level, whether it's the Sixers or elsewhere, he'll be a guy that can knock down spot up shots. And at times be in transition, he'll be hunting threes in transition. Um, so he can have an impact for you coming off your bench, just flat out. Like I said, at the beginning there, if you have an elite skill, That'll help you. That makes that makes you an NBA player. He has an elite skill. He can knock down shots. I'm going to throw out this name because he was in Camden to work out for the 76ers on Monday, and I've seen his name surface maybe late teens and some mocks early to mid-20s and others. Lou Dort out of Arizona State. I know his shooting touch perhaps mm-hmm. maybe not quite what the 76ers might need right now, but he seems to be a really physical guy with high energy who embraces competing defensively. Yeah, I mean, I, I loved him, his physicality. He is a physical specimen, 6'4", about 220. He is, he's built like a, like a Greek god. I mean, he's, he is an absolute you know, grown man for, for his age. Um, and he, athletically, he can really get up and down. He can use that body to score and transition. Uh, my concern with him is, is his ability to play and succeed off the ball and, and really understand the game and shot selection. When you watch him in Arizona State, especially when they started to struggle, everything was good for him early on. He was getting 20 a game, and they were playing some lesser competition. And he was learning the college game and he was playing at a high level. But when it got tough and he had other guys of, you know, similar ilk athletically and, you know, similar length uh, or length that's greater than his, he struggled at times. And he, and he would he would easily fall into the trap of taking a lot of tough shots, forcing the issue. And he was better when the ball was in his hand. So I think that's why I keep coming back to teams, to guys with this team being the 76ers that need to be able to play without the ball in their hands. Because with those four dudes, you're not going to have you're not just walking the ball up the court. You're not getting on the wing in a nicer situation. You're not being maybe coming off a lot of ball screens where you're the primary option to make something happen. So I think I think you need guys that that excel off the ball. And Luke Dort can learn how to do it better for sure. And he's got the phys- he's got great physical capabilities. Um, but again, I think you might want somebody that can come in and, and affect the group and fit into the group a little better than he may at this individual time. He's got he could be a really good NBA player. I'm just not sure he's a fit as we said earlier for this Sixers team at this time. I think another big question, Dale, that I've got about the 76ers for this draft is, yeah, they have the 24th pick in the first round, but then they've got 33 and 34 early in the second round. Mm -hmm. Um, In your mind, how much variance, um, how much disparity in talent potential do you see in those, I guess, really 10 slots between 24 and then once you get up to 33 and 34 early on in the second round? I don't think there's a ton, and not in this draft at least. I think there's. I think you're going to have guys. We keep saying the same things a little bit. The, the fit for your guy uh, may want you to pick a guy at 25 versus 30 based on how versus how how the draft board has fallen out and what you need in your in your in your roster. Doesn't mean that the guy at 25 is way better than the guy at 33 or 24 better than 34. I don't think there's a huge delta between those two. Um, so, and I do think the Sixers can find good pieces. And you mentioned one guy before, uh, Cameron Johnson from North Carolina. I think he's going to be a really good pro with a great career. Uh, he, he's developed as a better defender. He was really slow-footed earlier in his career when he's a pit, and he transferred to UNC. He's become a better defender, better positionally, understands uh, concepts on the defensive end. He's got good length. Um, but most importantly, he is a knockdown shooter again, 6'8", 6'9". He's tall, and he doesn't waste any motion in his jump shot. I mean, that thing catches – he catches, and he, you still see it in college all the time, 
uh, people bring the ball down. And that wasted motion gets you a chance from a good, sh- a great shot to a now contested shot. Or in the NBA, it gets your shot blocked. So you, when you look about guys like Clay Thompson last night, when he was rolling in that first half, when you watch him and that ball's caught up by his ear, he just shifts it right to the shot pocket and up. It's never down. There's never a wasted motion. And Cam Johnson has developed that where he, he catches it anywhere in his midsection. It's right up. There's no, if he catches it, there's no wasted motion. So he's able to get that shot off with length at 6'9", and he's got long arms to get that and shoot it over defenders because he doesn't waste any motion. So he's an outstanding shooter um, that's gotten better on the defensive end and can come in and, and help you and, and, again, space the floor. Um, and I think that's a guy that you could find at 33 that could be have, have some real value if he's still on the board. Um, another guy that I think is interesting that, that should still be there, and I did a number of a couple of his games early in the year, uh, is uh, Fiondo Kevin Gelly. He's uh, Kemby Mutombo's uh, nephew. And he's got great length from Florida State, and Florida State's always got – they run – Leonard Hamilton runs 9, 10, 11 guys at you. So you may not get a chance to see guys play the minutes you want on the role they want. But he's a, he gives you good energy when he's on the court. You may have to rest him a little bit. He's not always in the greatest shape. But you give him – he gives you energy on the court. He's got great length, over seven-foot wingspan, can knock down shots. When you close out on him, he's able to go by and finish a little bit in the lane. He's got touch. He can get on the offensive glass. And he's a good shot blocker like his, like his uncle was. So I, I think Kevin Gelly's a guy that's, that's interesting that could be a unique fit if maybe for the 76ers, it'd be more like how, how does he work and what the lineup is around him. But he would be a guy maybe to come in and could help, like I said before, manufacture his own offense and help you on the defensive end at times protect the rim. I think he needs to understand concepts a little better defensively, um, but he's got a lot of physical tools that you want him at in the floor. You know, you mentioned Darius Garland a couple minutes ago out of Vanderbilt and his injury at the start of the season. What about for a guy like Chumo Kiki, who obviously with Auburn, that became such a huge mm-hmm. story for them as they made their run deep into the postseason, who suffered an untimely injury at the end of the year? Yeah, Chuma's he's a really good player. His game has developed, and he could be your prototypical NBA 3 and D guy. I hope he comes back from his injury at 100%. I hope he continues to learn to shoot the ball. I mean, shoot the ball even at a more efficient clip as he started to and did throughout the second half of the SEC, second half of the a college basketball season. And he's a guy that can defend the perimeter. He's got good feet, good length. He's an athlete that can then, interior-wise, he's, he's, he's long, he's not big. So and then, well, in today's modern NBA, I don't think anybody's worried about really him getting posted up anymore. So he's a guy that can, that can help you, that can protect the rim a little bit because he's got great length, uh, just around seven-foot wingspan. Um, and he's wiry, strong. He's got a real quick jump. So he's a guy that I think could be interesting um, for a number of different teams. We'll see you know, how his body recovers. But that's, that's the question is what are you willing to invest in the pick when he just tore his ACL in April and you're not going to see him play again until sometime early next season? And you're wondering if, if and what can the contribution be? So with a guy like that, it's one of those things where if you have four second-round picks, maybe you take a flyer. I don't think I would do it in 33 or 34 because I think there's other good players you could get that, that could help you and they kind of have a real feel of what they are right now. Uh, somewhat because they put in more years consistently in college, also because they didn't get injured. I would opt for some other guys at that pick, but maybe in the later picks, uh, look at a guy like Okike if he's still on the board. So begin to wrap this up. Tell me a little bit more about Dylan Windler, who you referenced earlier out of Belmont. A kid that can just he can flat out shoot it. He's got really good length. He's a good rebounder uh, as well. He'll get in there and mix it up a little bit. But again, a guy that understands the game. Lefty uh, can play on play on play, plays really well off the ball. Better off the ball. And they put him on the ball at times just because he was at Belmont. He's the best player on the floor almost every game he played, exception of playing Murray State. We played against John Morant in some of the other games they played. They played UCLA. They won at UCLA. 
um, which doesn't say anything because UCLA wasn't good as a team, but the, UCLA has some NBA talent, and Dylan Willard looked look like the best player on the floor. Um, he can really knock down shots out past the NBA range. A very good passer, uh, really understands angles, able to able to make the right pass delivered on time and on target. Uh, and I think his length will help him on the defensive end. He's not he's not athletic. He's not really a gifted athlete. He's not a lot of foot speed or lateral speed. Um, but his length will help him positionally, defensively to hide some of those mistakes. He gets in passing lanes pretty well, anticipates well, uh, and needs to do that because again his lack of athleticism. But he's a he's a a really really good basketball player that's going to be I think going to be a good NBA player and have a good career. He'll be a lifetime guy coming off the bench, but he can have a great career, help teams, uh, second units, and be a guy that can come in and be a difference maker. I think Eric Paschal um, has a shot to go in the mid-40s, or is he looking potentially a little bit later for the veteran out of Villanova? I think that's probably where he ends up going. Uh, this is a guy that, that that learned a lot about basketball and being a player and being a teammate over his career. He started at Fordham. I remember had a bunch of his games when he was a freshman. It was 8-10 freshman, Atlantic 10 freshman of the year um, uh, with Tom Pacora was coaching there. But literally, I talk about a green light. I mean, this is coming from a guy that used to chuck a lot of threes. This dude can shoot, shoot, shot it whenever he wanted as a freshman and just didn't. That was his obsession. I'm going to get my shots up. I'm going to get my points. But then he, tra- he transfers over to Villanova and then gets in Jay Wright's system playing with other pros. And it's about winning. He learns how to play, learns how to defend better, give up his body at times, taking charges, getting in, the, doing the dirty work, trying to defensive rebound. He does have NBA range. He needs to be more consistent with a three-point shot. He has to be tighter with the ball. He's able to create a little bit, but he, he can get real loose with the ball. I think if he works on that, he's got good physical tools. He's about 6'6", six, six, about 215, 220. He's got a good body, good length to him. Um, he's a guy that could, could potentially be a guy that could help you in the NBA. It's just it's going to his development as an individual and as a man was really evident. So I think his, he'll be willing to take whatever role a team needs of him and do the best that he can to fulfill that role. And his role this past year was to be one of the dudes. Him and uh, Phil Booth had to go and score every night. And it was a different role for him than it was before at Villanova. He started he grew into it a little bit. And, and I think he got comfortable in that. But at the same time, he'll go back to what he was on the teams that won the championship the year before where he'll just he'll do what is necessary, what is needed of him is an open, make an open three, is it defend somebody and is it help the helper, is it take a charge? He'll do what whatever is necessary. So I think he's uh, I hope hope he finds a way to, to make it in the league. Um, like I said before, I think you need about one real elite skill helps you. I don't think he I don't much I don't know what that would be with him, uh, but he's he's a kid that's uh, I hope works out for him. Last but certainly not least, got to bring him up, of course. Mia Oni, tell people about his story <laughs> <laughs> and what his there chances on draft night might be. I like the Ivy League love. Mia Oni from Yale uh, left after his junior year. He was supposed to be he was gonna, supposed to play at Williams. He was going to be a D three player. Decides to go post grad for a year. Tape gets out on him after having a big AU tournament. James Jones at Yale offers told me he offered him sight unseen. He saw the film, never saw him in person. James has never offered anybody that before. Offered an opportunity to come play like that before. He does. The kid ends up being player of the year in the league. This guy, now I talked to, I had their game, I had their Ivy tournament game. They play Harvard and stuff. There were about 20 scouts there, but I had them back in December when they played in Miami and they beat Miami. He had like 29, 9, and 7. He had a monster game. And there were about 15 scouts there too because it was a hoop hall event. Texas Tech played. Uh, Miami obviously played. There were a bunch of, uh, NC State played. There were a number of reasons to be there. And talking to a bunch of scouts before, they all had said, yeah, someone said, he's a, I think he's a draftable guy, mid-second round, you know. I want to see if he can take over. I saw him last year. He's got really good length again. He's about 6'6", six, six, but he has about 6'9", six, 6'10", six, wingspan. He's an outstanding knockdown three-point shooter, well past the NBA range. That's about 27 feet. But the question was, can he take over a game? 
How does he handle the ball? And what kind of what kind of player is he all around more than just a shooter? And that they all those guys came out watching that game like, oh, man, this guy's definitely a draftable guy. And I would check in with these dudes throughout the course of the year. And the more they watched and the more they saw him, and I actually went to watch Yale quite a bit because I'd be up in Bristol and I was up there Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday through Sunday. But Friday night, we wouldn't have a game. So I would go down to Yale and watch them play. And there was always an NBA scout or two there or three. And I would always talk to them. And everyone came away impressed every single time. Because once you see him in person, he's a little diff- different than watching the film. He's got that length. He's got an NBA body without a doubt. Wide, broad shoulders that will continue to grow into athletically. He can dunk on your head. But he's got a really good understanding of how to play the game. Uh, and I think the one thing he's got to change is he's got a good handle. He has to make the right decisions. It's decision-making for him can get a little wayward. And a lot was asked of him at Yale. That won't be necessarily asked of him at the next level. He'll be able to knock down a ton of threes because he's going to be open playing on good teams where, where he gets drafted. Closeout situations, he's excellent. Shot fake, one dribble, pull up, shot fake, go to the side, knock down a three. Shot fake, get in the lane, create for other people is where that next step needs to be. And I think he'll, make, he'll get better at that. Um, I think he's going to have a really good NBA career. I was slightly surprised that, that he decided to stay in the draft as only a junior. I remember talking talk to him right before they played Harvard in the, uh, in the, in the Ivy League tournament. He said, I'm going to test the waters. I'll see how it goes, you know, and I'm not you know, thinking anything before. But he was he was out there early. He signed the agent, said he was staying right. He was saying stay in the draft early. It was it was months ago. I wasn't around the deadline at all. So he feels feels confident in himself. He's a confident kid. He's a talented kid. Obviously, it goes without saying he's a smart kid. And I think he, he he knows what he's capable of. And I think he knows what his potential can be. He's going to work for that. And I think if he finds the right situation, he can have a really good NBA career because what the NBA right now is about, you got to be able to make, down, make shots. He can do that. And he can also defend. So he's a, he's a three and D type guy to this, you know, to the, to the tens. And now it's, can he make that next decision, next, next jump by getting in the lane and making the right decision with the ball in his hands? If he can do that, this kid is a really dangerous player. And if Philadelphia has the option to take him, opportunity to take him, I think he definitely should with one of those second round picks because he would absolutely help their team right now. Tremendous. Always great to talk college basketball or in general with Dalen Cuff about anything, an extra bonus to work in, an appropriate, not forced Ivy League basketball question. Dalen, thanks so much, man. Really enjoyed it. Anytime, Brian. Have a good one. Yeah, I got to see Dalen Cuff play a lot when he was at Columbia in New York City. Awesome player, better dude, and now a tremendous analyst at ESPN. Just awesome stuff that he's done in the broadcasting field over the last couple of years. We appreciate him joining us on the podcast and giving us a outstanding primer on the draft this year, specific to the 76ers needs. Thanks to Lou Dort for being a guest as well. Thank you always for listening. We'll have another episode of the broadcast next week, another draft season edition of the pod, so be on the lookout in your feeds. See ya.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com.